I'm Betsy Reed, and this is The Discomfort Practice, where I talk to creatives, activists, leaders, scientists, and a host of others about discomfort, about the role it's played in their lives, who they are and what they do in the world, and the value of discomfort in helping us move forward as a society. Discomfort is just the edge of your comfort zone, and on the other side are superpowers. So settle yourself in, and let's get uncomfortable. Well, welcome to today's episode of The Discomfort Practice. I am really looking forward to this discussion. I always look forward to my guests because I only invite people I really want to talk to. So today I'm talking to Maria Beatrice Giovanardi, and she is a marketing professional with a humanitarian, digital, and creative focus. But that's about where the normal sounding life stops and the awesome begins. She's dedicated her life and career to social impact, especially the fight against gender-based violence, whether physical, psychological, cultural, structural, or political. She is Italian. She's currently speaking to us from Italy, but has lived all over the world, from Miami to India to London, where she now lives but doesn't live at the moment because of the lockdown. And I think that's a very wise choice. Why would you be in London when you could be in Italy during a lockdown? So it's been during her travels and experience of living in other cultures, which have given her an awareness of how we're all connected as human beings of understanding her own privilege and the potential for how she can use that privilege for the common good. So amen to that. So this led Beatrice to do something pretty incredible, which is to take on the world's leading English dictionaries. This is how I came across her work when I was co-launching a petition myself on change.org to update the leading dictionary's definition of sustainability to be accurate and include three things, which is social, environmental, and economic impact. So I reached out to Beatrice just to ask some advice and actually ended up having really interesting interaction and thought, oh my gosh, you need to be on my podcast. So Beatrice was looking for a new way to brand an upcoming women's rights project she was working on. She Googled the word woman, and what she found was that both the Google and the Oxford English Dictionary's definitions of woman are patronizing, misogynistic, sexist, and offensive. So basically, around 80% of the definitions, the things that fleshed out that word woman were extremely derogatory. And because Google uses the same definition as the Oxford English Dictionary, these are the definitions shaping our understanding of women. These are the things that come up when, say, young men and young women and anybody Googles the word woman. So long story short, Beatrice wrote to each dictionary, but no one wrote back. So in June 2019, she launched a petition on change.org calling for the world's leading dictionaries to change their definition of the word woman, to take out the sexist language. And then it all started to take off fast when the Guardian newspaper picked up the story and things took off. So by November 2020, which really isn't that long ago, the petition had 30,000 signatures. I'll leave it to Beatrice to tell us what happened from there, but I am honored and excited to welcome her to today's episode because she is a woman who gets stuff done and also has a very cool accent. So welcome Beatrice. It's lovely to have you here. 
Hi, Betsy. Thank you so much for the invite. Uh, I was honored to receive it and uh, I'm a fan of your podcast. So thank you very much. Um, oh my gosh. I have a fan that makes me so happy. So happy. And I hear you have a dog with you there. Yeah, so hello. Stop her if needed. Like she, she starts barking sometimes. Um, yeah. <laughs> What's her name? Hi, Tide. Hi, Tide. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, she will be part of this interaction, no doubt. So to anyone listening, it just brings a little bit of real life. <laughs> We're all living, working, everything from home right now. So it's just kind of nice to connect like that, actually. So you'll know, maybe from listening to the podcast, I always ask the same question first, which is, what is a, an uncomfortable moment that's changed your life, that's shaped who you are and what you do in the world? Um, yeah, I think the, the moment that shaped my life and also like the, my, my willingness to be an activist is, uh, when I was 20 and I went to, to India after living in Miami for four years and after having grown up in Italy. Um, and basically I, I was living in the border with, uh, Pakistan and, a sort of like in a border, in the border area that it's also like sort of a bit of a war zone. And uh, I wasn't supposed to be there, but I ended up being there. Uh, I was working for an India for for an Indian company, and um, basically, I stayed there for six months. Uh, and I was very young, of course, very privileged as, as a as a white European woman. And but in that moment, like basically, all the privileges that I had, you know, like the, the safety that I could feel in Miami or or in Italy, sort of like they they simply they changed the moment I land I landed because you know from the first second that I landed you know I had eyes on me all the time and like uh I felt the the sort of like social and like cultural oppression of women uh even like myself you know that like I hadn't experienced it to that extent ever in my life and uh also it was it was 2014 um 13 and 14 sorry and it was the day uh, the the year after um, the 2012 Delhi gang rape, which is mm. uh, was a, one of the most horrible, probably like uh, gender violences, like uh, episodes in the world. And that that rape basically sparked national outrage, and also like a, a very big women's rights movement. Um, and you know you would see all the time on TV. Um, protests and you know like women and girls burned by acid and acts of like common sort of like apprehension uh that was justified by society as well and um yeah basically that really opened my eyes to the the level of the different levels of of course of privilege but also like of oppression and how you know like steeped into a society it could be and how violent and unjust it it it, it could be and uh basically you know, when i was there i was also like feeling very unsafe uh because i wasn't allowed to go out um and it wasn't safe for me to go out so basically i, I started sort of like brainstorming about ideas of you know what would make me feel safe and I I came up with actually like the idea of my my startup, which which was a, a social enterprise to with the mission to reduce, of course, like gender based violence. And we 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 created an app that um, uh, basically the mission of the app was to crowdsource geographical safety information. And we we're also prototyping an electronic bracelet 
um and yeah like that's where my first like discomfort like came really um wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's a very it was a very strong experience um yeah yeah i've spent quite a bit of time in india myself and it's it's a place where it depends on where you are of course but yeah feeling constantly scrutinized and unsafe but still realizing the relative privilege of being a not indian woman in that context is pretty powerful isn't it yeah and just realizing that we live in these beautiful little safe bubbles relatively safe bubbles and there are places where women are still killed every day simply because they are women it's pretty eye opening yeah. uh so that experience clearly drove you to do something and you are again as i said clearly someone who likes to get stuff done so how has that gotten you to to where you recently were launching a petition on change.org to change sexist language sort of what happened between 2014 and 2020 that kind of was that thread for you of continuing to be uncomfortable continuing to be outraged continuing to be active on these issues uh yeah so i mean i've been an activist sort of like ever since uh that experience and uh um also i mean right so i've been an activist through you know, of course like through my startup but also you know like volunteering etc and in terms of like where i am right now and like how I got there, correct? That's question, correct? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's mainly through I think I like realizing my privilege and also, of course, you know, the voice that I I, I have and I'm privileged to have uh, for um, and like how I it could be an active like an uh, um, an agent for change. Basically, that just simply like motivated me to keep working on women's rights and uh to just like never stop because i had a duty not to stop not just for myself and like for a lot of other women and girls but i guess like for what i had seen and like just like i just wanted to help really and i always want to help and yeah basically like the the petition change.org um came actually i, I mean i was googling on 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 i was on google like searching for the women's synonyms and I found this like outrageous uh, list of synonyms and uh, also like an outrageous definition and the um, basically well, talk, yeah talk about some of the synonyms because actually this might be an yeah. eye-opener for people of these are words that some of which are in everyday language still that are deeply sexist and that might not be recognized as such so like what were some of those words yeah so they were uh peace bit baggage um bit well bit i already said sorry like uh bitch um and then like you know wench philly uh biddy and so many other things that were also like a bit outdated but also like the the example sentences used a lot of them where you know like i told you to be home when i when i tell you little woman or if this doesn't work they'll become women of the streets uh or you know she she represented the the career woman but she was also sexy like deeply like derogatory and like typical like stereotype like stereotypes basically of negative of the negative representation of women mm. or like the objectification of women as sexual objects and to me like that was simply unacceptable and, and unjust and also not true because i mean i understand that you know we do I'm, I'm very aware of the fact that like we have a history of 
oppression and like patriarchal oppression. But, you know, I, I think today we, as, as a site, like at least in the UK, like we are in a place where it, it's okay to speak up and it's okay to mm. change, you know, all the different like tools of social control that have been established ever since to basically like silence women and to, you know, like discriminate against women whether it's you know in policies and laws or like within institutions so i think it's just time that we take direct direct actions you know like use positive discrimination practices and just really like do the work to mm. a last quality which is of course like a big goal but um i think yeah i just think it's it's must and there's no time left really like time is up well, I can't believe it's, yeah, it's 2020, it's 2021, and we're still having these conversations about language. But it brings up a really good point about how much language matters, because the language that we learn and refer to people as is is what creates our reality. And those are the tools that we and others in society use to create the picture of that person. So, I mean, as an example, what's the definition of man? Because this is a really interesting one to think, all right, so if woman is sexist, what's the definition of man like in in sort of comparison to that? Yeah, so in the Oxford dictionary it was very of course like it, it was it was perfect. So, you know, first of all, the man had a very active role in its definition, in, in his definition. So whilst a woman had, had like a passive role because she was seen as a, as a passive object really. Um, and, but the man always like all the example sentences where, you know, he was a solid, uh, labor voter or like he was a Cambridge man or, you know, he was playing basketball or like he was basketball man. But whilst like for women, of course, it was all, you know, like his woman, like his little woman. And so, I mean, you can expect that, but um, it's simply like not also representative of, of who a woman really is. And I think I always think of how, you know, like there's always two sides of the story. And I think, um, you know, even as we grew up, or at least like as I grew up, like even history, you know, is always being told with the side of, of the um, of whoever of the winner so you know i don't know mm. an empire has done xyz and you know but you never you never hear the side of like who was oppressed like what was done to women like you know how like rape was a weapon of war and yeah. or like, you know if you hear about colonization like you only hear the positive side of things which is not really even a positive in my opinion you never hear like the extent of damage that was done and so even like, you know, in terms of like who a woman is and what what a man, who a man is, I think, you know, if, if you're going to have that side of, you know, like a woman being a sexual object, then you should also narrate how, you know, men have been raping women or like, you know, the other side of the coin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I think if you don't do that, you it's simply then you're, you're just uh, perpetuating sexism. And you're not giving any context also. You're just disrespecting women and you're um, offending women uh, and discriminating against them. And yeah, and it's simply useless. Uh, mm, that example, point. That's not who women are. Like at the end of the day, we've been told we're something, but you know, a woman is an independent human being and is just as much as a human being uh, 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 as much as a man is. So yeah, that was my point of view. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and I mean, it's the truth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not the point of view. It's actually true. Well, this really does bring to life that importance of language because I mean, what, 35% of women are physically or sexually assaulted and abused by their partners or a close non-partner. And just from statistics, we know that (laughs) a very large, shockingly large proportion of women are physically or sexually assaulted by a stranger uh, throughout their, you know, at some point in their lives. It's, it's, if you start to think about it, it's like you look around a room of women and it's probably half. Like I've been, you know, assaulted myself. I know many, many people who have been assaulted simply for being a woman. Yeah. And I, I think this, this is something that I would like for everyone to think about, everyone listening to this and particularly men, because I had, I was telling you before we started recording, I, I've had actually a couple of interactions just in the past two days that really, really illustrated this. And that is that the world is not a safe place for women. The world is still a place where I heard a quote recently, which is men are afraid that women will reject them and women are afraid that men will kill them. And it's sort of like, you know, I, I go on dates and men don't let their friends know where they're going to be on a first date just in case something horrible happens to them. Whereas I let my friends know where I'm going when I'm going on a first date with a man I don't know, just in case they don't hear from me. So they can, you know, alert the police or something if this man has done something to me. But mm. I was um, I was on Instagram a few days ago and I noticed some stories popping up from one of uh, a male friend. And it was using really derogatory language about women. Uh, that he was going on dates with, calling them bitches and referring to their genitalia in derogatory ways. And I was just like, this is not okay. So I I let him know that I took issue with it. And his response was basically like, well, that's just how some people talk and some people aren't offended by it. And so I asked him to consider if his use of language actually makes the world safer for women or not. And he just didn't get it. He just didn't get it that referring to women as bitches and, and sort of having this category where some women are bitches and some women are not actually is quite sexist yeah. and makes the world less safe for women. Yeah. And then in contrast to that, I had a, a really lovely male friend today who was just jokingly saying something about how he was going to make a joke about how like bitches love something about that, but he realized he couldn't use that word because it was offensive and sexist. And I was just like, and ding, 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 this guy gets it, that language matters, that the way you talk about women feeds attitudes that exist about them. And that the ability to be casual about your language and say that it doesn't matter shows that you are coming from a place of power, a place where you don't have to worry about the language that you're using about women. Whereas I'm acutely aware of it as a very empowered and privileged white Western woman who I'm relatively safe in the world. So I really do feel that burden of, and so do you, making the world safer for women who really don't have a voice. Because here we are podcasting, safe in our homes, in you know, our respective countries. And, and it's horrifying to think what goes on for women who have way less privilege, way less economic power, way less voice, way less position in society than we we do. And that's why this matters so very much. So (laughs) hopefully I've made my point and I know you agree with me. (laughs) Of course I do. Uh, I think, I mean, I think, I don't know, I like, I I very much, there, there, there are always like a few quotes that 
uh, really resonate with me. And one is uh, from Angela Carter, and it says, language is power, life, and the instrument of culture, the in- but it's also the instrument of domination and liberation. So I do think that language has, is actively, like, it has played such a role in, like, actively, you know, like, a, a, I mean, oppression is, like, a big word, but, like, in reality, it, at least, like, if we don't want to say oppression, like, in, you know, like, making women feel, and girls also feel like, you know, they, they're not enough and they are somewhat, like, objects of, you know, like, the male case, like, the male attention or, you know, that they need to be sexual objects. Because mm-hmm. uh, because ever since you're born at least ever since I was like was born you know you do this you're a bitch you 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 don't do that you're you're a bitch whilst like a man is always like again like playing an active role and also like always like winning so there is this active discrimination that's always like ongoing in like our minds and of course it plays also like a role in like how we, we see ourselves and like how how we act and I think and another quote is um, it's it is is basically saying that it's from Malcolm X and it says I mean it's not related to women's rights it's related to you know like the 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 um, like civil rights for black people in the U S but uh, it says if you stick a knife in my back nine inches and pull it out six inches that's not progress if you pull it out all the way that's not progress Pro- progress is healing the wound that the blow made. Uh, and it says they haven't pulled out the knife. They haven't pulled out the knife. Uh, they won't even admit that it's there. So I think there's such a, mm. I mean, we still have to come sort of like to, to a reckoning in which, you know, we, un- everyone understands that there, like, there have been problems and, you know, there, ha- like, oppression of women has been a reality. And of course, like, you know, every, every, every victim, let's say, had, to every victim there is a perpetrator so i don't want to you know like judge the other side or but we need to just like as as white europeans or like as an italian like i need to understand the history of my country and also like the role that my country played in like so many other places um i think we do need to come to like an awareness like a conscious awareness of what happened in the past to be able to really like move forward and and actually heal because you know, it's okay to to go to say that discrimination is is not okay, and to build laws around it, etc. But it's also okay to understand that you know equality doesn't have to feel like someone is taking something from you. It's simply because sometimes, like a lot of people, I think um, a lot of privileged people think feel like if we achieve equality, then, you know, something's going to be, ta- is going to be taken from me. So they get defensive. Then in reality, like, mm. we're simply asking for equality and to everyone to simply be free. And for it, like for us basically not to be sub- like subjugated and like subjected to power structures that have been hurting us and like haven't allowed us to really like bloom and like be free. Uh, which I mean, it sounds like a deep conversation, but I think like that's such an important point because even like a lot of times women say, I I, I get some women tell tell me, oh, but even women, you know, are, are nasty to other women, but I think that's um, that's also a sign of um, of how like 
basically like the history that women had and how sometimes like you need to like what you see, you know, as, you know, making progress or like achieving power, they just like replicate what's, what's out there. And so they end up being yeah. nasty to someone else, but that's like not just women and men. It's like, you know, even across races, like in races or, you know, like in some religious aspects, etc. But yeah, I just think like progress is something else. It's just like understanding yeah. history and like really like stepping into like a place of awareness and understanding and healing as well. Um, yeah. Well, and freeing people from hierarchies that are created based on, well, humans are, we kind of naturally seem to seek to empower ourselves and often by oppressing others. And so we've created these systems based on race or gender or religion or whatever to categorize and then build power by taking power from others. And so that's sort of the system that we're, we're acting within. But actually what you're saying is equality is about recognizing that we can all have everything we need and exist quite beautifully by having equality, which is everybody having the same status, which doesn't mean being gender blind or color blind or anything blind. It's actually about recognizing where there might tend to be an imbalance. And what you said about females basically oppressing each other is one that I've often thought about because, you know, you get out there in the professional world and you do encounter women who are pretty explicitly awful to other women. And it just feels as if it's maybe because we're, we're fighting for scraps, you know, we have to sort of show our allegiance to the patriarchy and advance within this system by, by shooting others in the face. (laughs) I've, you know, some of the worst bosses I've ever had have been females. Sorry, I won't name check anybody, but just that, that, you know, who do you think you are as a younger woman coming up? You stay in your place because they're worried about their own position. And the, the older I've gotten, the more I have actually compassion for that because I see that it's really fear-based because they feel they have something to lose by sharing power or elevating anyone else, particularly a woman, because there isn't enough to go around in that kind of system, right? Yeah. Like there are the people at the top who have tended to be men. And then there's everybody else who has to sort of share out and grasp for what, for what they can. And I, I guess by your seeking to update and make more accurate and less sexist the dictionary definition of woman and social understanding of who women are, you're actually just seeking to open up that system to unoppress it, to make it a place where everyone can breathe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also like to sort of like free it from, because a lot of times, you know, some people said, um, or like, you know, when we were brainstorming about the campaign, um, you know, sometimes people were saying, oh, you know, it, it's the reality that like, this is the reality. So the dictionary needs to be prescriptive. And so they were saying then we should in- simply include slurs about men and you know like offend them etc but I always like so like stood my ground saying you know like well first of all like I think there are these are two different levels of let's say abuse because one is of course like based on your identity whilst like most of the I think the derogatory 
um, words that are referred to men are actually, a lot of them are actually oppressing women, it's, you know, like all of these things. Um, but they, I think a lot of times they're not actually related to their identity. You know, while it's like, of course, like homophobic, um, like homophobic slurs, uh, racist slurs, etc. They all they're all related to someone's identity, and that's the same for sexism. So I, I've always been against, you know, like saying, "Oh, but then you know, you're not you're not equal, so let's just offend men." I think again, like it's about like just unoppressing women and like you know respecting women and like seeing them as who they actually are, not like as a, not just not simply putting judgments on them. The patriarchal judgment has been on them like and so heavy on them on us for such a long time so i think that's the progress like the progress is not offending or like taking power away from someone else it's simply to raise women's position to to what it should have always been yeah Mm. well and by seeking to react with language that then is retaliatory isn't that just sort of reacting it's it's dressing the patriarchy up in a dress and basically using the same brutal system of oppression against men, and it still doesn't give them room yeah. to breathe. Something that I think about a lot, and actually I, I hear a lot more talked about in, in these terms, and I'm happy to hear it, which is that you know patriarchy harms men too. And it's that if you put someone in a position of power, you create systems that expect them to be a certain way and have to maintain this position and these traits of being always strong or always in charge or it steals from them too because it means they can't have moments men can't have moments of being human or of exploring their femininity because we all have the masculine and the feminine it doesn't let any of us exist as human beings and just support each other collaborate be what we are we each have to maintain this role and it's it's frustrating and it creates anger because none of us is able to be ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, I, th- there's definitely that that side of, um, of course, in, um, I mean, I think in, in psychology it's called uh, sort of like cycle of abuse, cycle of violence, but it's it, it's sort of like a theory around how, you know, if, if you've been brought up in, in, in a certain manner, like, you know, in a, in a violent environment and, like, you know, you, you were taught to be violent. Uh, I'm not saying all men are violent, but let's say they, they've been, they were taught to be a certain way. Uh, by society and by how society is, then of course it affects them. And it, I mean, mm. just imagine how much like, you know, if, 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 if you're angry about something, you know, like how you're the only person suffering a lot of times. I mean, of course, like the, the, if you put your anger on someone else, also someone else is suffering, but you're also suffering. So again, yeah, I think it's about freeing um, the person who's 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 victim or, or survivor, or and and then yeah, let's just all be free. In my opinion, <laughs> real yeah. Well, I have a guest coming up in a few weeks who will talk about the men's mental health crisis that's been unfolding for several years of just this absolutely shocking amount of men who commit suicide because they're not given the tools to actually reach out for help to help to heal themselves. And that is so much very part of the other side of patriarchal culture. It oppresses women, but it also oppresses men. So yeah, I love this idea of collective liberation. We're starting with redefining our our understanding of women, but it also benefits men. So they don't have to continue to be 
cast in the role of oppressor or in this narrow range of masculinity that doesn't work for a lot of them. So I think that's a useful one to highlight. It's not that we're just terrifying feminists. It's actually that we want collective liberation. Okay, like also like the word feminist is seen so many times as such like a slur, you know, and I I mean, if you see what what feminism is about and like what even the word feminist means, it's simply about, you know, like asking for equality and asking, you know, for women, for women to have equal rights and that's it. (laughs) there's no nastiness about it like I don't really understand why so many people are defensive or like you know don't want to become feminist or see it as like a nasty word because yeah it's uh, it's ridiculous in my opinion but oh yeah so let's talk about the change.org petition are you first of all it's still live yes so people can actually go still sign the petition right Okay. I will make sure that it's in the show notes so everybody here can go sign it because have a read, digest what it is we're talking about here because we've alluded to it, but it's a really well-written petition. But then just talk about like who got involved, who got uncomfortable, what happened? Um, Yeah. So, well, basically, I mean, it started with, um, I started with a local sort of like volunteering group of a big uh, organization in the UK, a women's rights organization. And uh, so it was like, it was first me getting sort of like uncomfortable. And then I shared this finding with a a group of fellow feminists and we all got uncomfortable. And then, um, (laughs) but even like after the the petition started, I mean, someone that really got uncomfortable, like an organization that really got uncomfortable, in my opinion, was The Guardian, uh, because they Mm. supported us, uh, you know, three days after the petition was live, they published, you know, double page spread on on print. Who picked that up, by the way? How did they come across it? Did you do media work on it or did they see it um, through another channel? Because that's incredible. Did the Guardian pick this up three days after I, it I mean, I emailed them uh, explaining the issue and like why I started the petition. And um, then they picked it up. But I think also, you know, they, in the first article, they interviewed a lot of linguists and uh, in the UK and the US. And um, they were actually like the whole article was explaining um how basically like dictionaries have been used as a tool of social control and how like we think they are you know like an unbiased um sort of like almost like anonymous tool but what they were actually telling us that you know the movement against sexism dictionaries actually started in the 1970s in the u.s um the fact like a group of women even started a feminist dictionary and then the like all the quotes were basically saying, you know, there there is there are biases, and um, you know, at the end of the day, some people do make the decision of like what to include in the dictionary. It's not like purely like algorithm based and unbiased. And um, yeah, so this was definitely like a major uh, recognition of not not the effort, but like the cause. And um, yeah, it gave it gave a lot of authority to the campaign, of course, and a lot of backing because, in, you know, I'm not a linguist and I have, I, apart from like being a dictionary user, like I have, I had no authority, you know, I was just a simple, I am a simple person that um, I'm an activist, like I'm just a simple person. So 
these these linguists like backing up the the constant sort of like the theory or the petition. Sorry, it was it was it was great, and we gave a lot of authority to the campaign. And then also like we had a you know more than thirty thousand people signing on the petition, citing the petition. So change.org also helped it helps promoting it because they believed in the in the campaign. And then we wrote an open letter for International Women's Day last year just like pre-COVID. Um, and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, CEOs of women's rights organizations uh, and linguists again, and just like, let's say like influencers within like the, the civil society uh, signed it, uh, signed this open letter uh, written by me and the campaign team. And that gave a lot of, again, like um, authority, let's say, to the campaign. And the day after we published the open letter, uh, Oxford came out with a statement saying they were going to to, to change the definition. And that was a great day. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! And now you're doing the same. They in... said they were going to review it, uh, but we never knew like if it was going to be like a positive sort of like review or like if they were going to make any changes. But then they said they would. So. Wow! And now you're doing the same in Italy for the Italian dictionary, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, the reason also why the petition is, is still live is that, um, I mean, I was super happy to see the changes that they made because it, it was also very, like, I don't know, like humbling as well as like, it was a very positive energy. The fact that, you know, to see that like an institution like Oxford, the, the, the authority worldwide for, you know, like linguistic and lexicography decided to to do sort of like to be self-critical and to have the courage also to say you know like we we can do better and for me it was so humbling like and I was so proud to see that they they, they did that because I think it's such a positive example and I'm, I'm I mean yeah I was very happy and also you know they changed because our petition was asking for um to remove the sexist sort of like connotations but also to for the, the definition to be more inclusive. So they they added that, you know, a woman, because our the campaign was also like very like LGBT inclusive. And also, you know, I think that trans women are women. Um, but although that's like a very toxic mm-hmm. topic, unfortunately, these days in society, but so they added, you know, that um, you can also identify as a woman, like you don't have to be born like an adult female human being uh, as one of the meaning of women. And also added that um a woman is a person's before it was uh, a man's lover or you know partner uh, and now it's a person's lover or partner etc so that's such a big and like positive step for the lgbt community because lgbtq community because you know before their love wasn't recognized well our love uh, wasn't recognized and it's, it's just I, I that also was so positive for me because i was really not expecting them to make that change so yeah, and in Italy, it's it's a very similar situation um, in terms of like how many like it's it's actually a bit worse, but the um, because there are over like thirty five very derogatory synonyms, but they're not like direct synonyms. Uh, they are synonyms of like an expression, but they take eighty percent of the definition, so it's it's very like obvious and blatant. But um, yeah, so we are trying to do this in Italy as well, which I think it's. I mean, I always thought, even like before starting the campaign, of course, it's it's, it's not easy to start the campaign <laughs> against such a such a 
institution. Mm. But um, I always thought, you know, I think it's the first time in my life that I said, you know, this is not, this is not correct. This is not, it, this is unjust. And, you know, whatever result, like I wasn't focused because I'm a perfectionist a bit. So I always worry about, you know, like the outcome and like making sure that if I go into something, like it's going to, I'm going to have a positive result. But this time I was just, I just like let go of any expectation and I just said like let, let's do it because I feel like it's it's not okay and that proved to be actually probably the one of the first times in my life in which there was a positive result um as a yeah and yes it's kind of a big one it's kind of a big one Beatrice yay and also yay for the Oxford English Dictionary like thank you for taking that on board and changing things so quickly. It's rather amazing that it took until 2020 for it to happen. But that's another thing. Most people haven't thought about the fact that, you know, the definition of who can be your lover, who can be your partner has been gendered until now. So you've opened up space for people to see themselves in the language. And in season one of this podcast, I I interviewed Bodhiara Jones, who identifies as gender fluid and was talking about how frustrated they are because their pronouns don't exist yet. You know, they don't exist in most bureaucracy or most forms because they are forced to choose a gender, a she or a he, and they are neither. So this is such huge progress on just allowing people to see themselves in language, in society, and to be part of society because there are words for them. You know, can you imagine, I guess just to those of you who are listening, imagine that you, nobody has a word for you. It's beyond most of our comprehension because we've grown up having language that fits us or, or not. And so probably some of you listening can relate to this in a very real way, but you know, it's a much more intense version of, you know, coming from a place where you disagree with the local political views and you just feel alienated. It's it's your existence. It's it's how people can talk about you or not talk about you because you're an alien creature, essentially, according to the language. Yeah. So that's really, really beautiful. And also, I'd love to hear more about how it's different in Italy. You know, there is such an activist culture in the UK. And I think you said at the beginning, there's space for discussions like this for activism like this to go somewhere what's it like in italy as you run a similar initiative yeah uh well i just started the initiative in november when oxford sort of like declared that they they had changed the the definition and i'm just gonna make a parenthesis like definition is not perfect it's definitely a huge step forward that's why i haven't Mm -hmm. closed the petition but it's a huge step Ah, okay, this is good to know. So definitely get over there and sign it, people. Yeah. But um, yeah, in Italy, I mean, I haven't lived in Italy for the past like 12 years because I left when I was 16, 17. But um, I think, I mean, I I definitely think there is, um, let's say, I mean, it's uh, in terms of a dictionary, it's similar, but I, I think it's a bit worse. Um, in terms of the discourse, uh, there is a lot happening. There has been a lot happening lately, but only really like in the past year or so around, you know, like how we speak about gender violence and all of this, but, you know, there haven't been like active sort of like, um, um, you know, like policymaking, et cetera, around it yet, which has been happening in the UK already, like that happened in the UK already. But 
I mean, I'm a bit worried, of course, about how it's going to be taken in mm. Italy because there is a lot of resistance as well. They already answered that they, you know, it's not correct what I'm saying, and we're we're publishing an open letter signed by more than a hundred like extremely influential people, like over, mm. and it's going to come out in a few days. And I am definitely a bit worried because, again, like you're sort of like going against a, a huge institution and um but i think it's time in italy as well like it's it there is room for you know like a conversation about things and people do want to improve and there is there is this movement towards like being more inclusive and i think also with covid a lot of people are thinking about you know like how do we want to rebuild like how do we want to restart and although the latest government was supposed to be like very gentle, include like very inclusive, etc., it has proven not to be. But um, yeah, I, I think I mean, given also like the amount of support of like signatories that I've received as of now, uh, there are the most again like the most influential people in Italy. You know, like Bank of England in the UK, like vice president or like um, you know the top politicians, like so many important people. So I, I doubt it's going mm. to spark a conversation, and that's always been like my number one focus as well because it's important for people just to stop a second and think okay like who a woman is and what's my vision of who a woman is and if you know i see women as inferior super human beings why is that like where's that coming from like what have it been sort of like digesting through the years um and it's not always easy to connect to a play from a place of kind of like loving kindness as we call it in Buddhism. But I think at least, you know, you will have heard about it and perhaps, you know, your next interaction, like something that has happened to me with this campaign, it's, you know, that I, I think so much more about how, you know, the slurs that I use and like um, the type mm-hmm. of language that I use. Um, and I hope, and even some of my friends, they've told me, you know, like I have, you know, I, I think twice now when I have to say bitch to someone. Um, so I think that's also a bit mm-hmm. of progress, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes me, that's actually a brilliant point where I was going to ask about what, what keeps you uncomfortable and besides activism, sort of what keeps you uncomfortable? And it sounds like you have your hands full with just thinking about your language and, and the unconscious biases that all of us have. We all have it. It's programmed into us by our society just becoming conscious of that is very uncomfortable so what else keeps you uncomfortable you mentioned buddhism what is your practice that that keeps you uncomfortable um well yeah i mean i i'm not like religiously buddhist i'm just like spiritually buddhist i say but um Mm i i'm i think also like the, the amount of exposure that i had in this past year that of course I wasn't accustomed to and the, the fact that you know I had to sort of like do public speaking about certain things or at least like be a spokesperson of, of a cause um that humbled me a lot uh and I always I think it allows me to sort of um connect I always connected in the past from a place of imposter syndrome and um mm-hmm. I I now try to connect from a place of grounding and like loving kindness, but also like a very, a a very, like a place full of, or at least I try like full of awareness. So it's very difficult for me to, 
to be superficial, even like in, in relationships these days, you know, with friends, etc. because I'm so exposed to, given I, I speak about it so much, like I'm so exposed to what's wrong and like what needs to be changed. So I, you know, that's it. That That is very uncomfortable, to be honest. And I try to kind of balance it. Like, for example, I, don't, I mean, it might be out of scope, but there's this meditation that is called the Tonglen. That is basically you, it's kind of like significative maybe of what I'm saying. You you breathe in kind of like suffering and like darkness or like darkness of the world or like of some or someone you know. And then like you breathe out uh, light and hope and like positivity. And basically like this process allows you to sort of like humble you and like let go of, 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 of your ego and your existence, but also like to be very awake with what's, sort of like the unlimited responsibility that you have as a human being, in my opinion. And um, so, yeah, I, I think this is like sort of like where I am, where I'm at at the moment. I'm trying to just, yeah, like be more connected with um, sort of like the, the, the responsibility that I have as a human being. Um, yeah. That's, that sounds like a pretty significant discomfort practice, Beatrice. <laughs> it is that you once you take that red pill, there is no unknowing, there is no unseeing, yeah. there is no not feeling the connection to everything and everyone, really. And it's pretty stressful sometimes because you just sometimes want to shut off and be numb and go to Disneyland, more or less, you know, and be like, ah, oh, leave me alone with yeah. the, the compulsion to change the world or... The fact that I now know something that I can't not address when I hear it out there, right? Yeah, and also I think in the in, like in the um, I don't know. For example, I I went to I've done like a few trips where where, where they were sort of like pilot projects. So I went to South Africa. It might sound cliche, super cliche, just like the fact that I went to India, but for me it was very helpful <laughs> to grow. Um, mm. So I went to South Africa for like a month, and you know I I, I interviewed so many. Um, so to like women's rights organizations, like abuse shelters, like I, I went to so many different places, spoke to so many different people and I did the same in Palestine. And um, I always like my discomfort practice also like is always to to expose, like I try as much as possible to expose myself to what, um, to different levels of, you know, um, I guess like it's not even discomfort, like oppression and like un- injustice, uh, to to actually like connect with the truth, because which was the truth we were discussing before, you know, like liberation and like how much you actually, for example, like in activism, uh, how much like a constant reminder of how much you need to be intersectional in your activism, because you know you can't be a women's rights activist and not support like um, Black Lives Matter or other movements or you know. Or LGBTQ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you come across, like, when, for example, in feminism, like, sometimes you come across, kind of like, side, like, one side, uh, or, like, um, I don't know, like, white feminism, they call it. And I just, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I try to keep, like, that's my discomfort practice. It's not easy, but it actually gives me back so much. And it, it frees me also from my own limitation a lot of times. And, um Oh, that's a beautiful message about when people do react to, are you calling me wrong because you say that I'm privileged? It's actually about, no, this frees you. This this truly frees you to be more yourself, to be more expansive, to be more at ease and less 
brittle and afraid of losing your privilege by recognizing it and realizing it can be shared without losing it, actually. I like that point a lot. It's beautiful. Yeah, also because, I mean, the, the, I don't know, it might be, I always, like, this campaign is a perfect example of the second that I, I really let go of, you know, of my own limitations and, like, my own expectations. It's going to sound very spiritual, but, like, the universe really, like, gave back to me what, let's say, what this campaign deserved. And uh, I do think that there is, when we have the courage to let go of all that like ego that imprisons us, we have like, first of all, we have, we are so liberated in my opinion. And of course I'm not there. Like I'm not fully there. Like it's, it's a constant practice, but it's, um, it's really like a better place. Like it's, it's a nonviolent place. You know, it's, it's a place of um, like just peace and like just connecting to, like you like who you are as a person as as a human being not who you are as a conditioned sort of like robot within society and it's a better place to be in i think oh you never need to apologize for getting spiritual on this podcast i talk about being a fully signed up woo woo i i go there we're going more there increasingly this season so people get to swear and i am letting out my woo woo side more and more on the internet because what could possibly be uncomfortable about that oh lord so final question feel free to go on and on about this one what do you think people need to be uncomfortable about right now um i think this particular moment in history although we probably don't realize haven't realized it yet it's uh it's a moment of a pause like a global pause and with all of course like the negative aspects of it um but you know every all of us have paused and i think it's um we're not done yet as well uh and you know the moment that we i i wish for people to be more uncomfortable about um how they think of like humanity really and like society and how um you know even in 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 politics which is supposed to be you know like um let's say like how how we run our societies and like it's supposed to have leadership and ideas and directions etc and we've seen in, in so many different occasions how direction is lost and like no one believes in anything anymore uh, or like in any leader anymore i think it's time to actually like believe in our of our believe in our own power and like get uncomfortable about like you know what am i doing with like my like how am i progressing and who sort of like what do I want to manifest in in terms of like my personal life, but also like as as a part as me as a human that lives in a society. And you know, even when it comes to politics, for example, like I never understand how we could speak of being progressive whilst you know like half of society plus 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 because half society I'm saying like when it comes to gender, but plus 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 when it comes to you know all the different other um impressions like is left behind like how can we speak of progress of going to the moon or like anything you know economic progress when we have we still haven't reached a step in which you know we we 
we are, we're all progressing because every time we, we, we take a little step forward, so many people are left behind. So I think it's super important to think about this. And I often think about this. Unfortunately, like I don't have, you know, not, not all of, like, I'm not a politician, like I'm, but I think we all have our own power and uh, we definitely, I mean, we're supposed to be at least the ones of us that are lucky to live in democracies. We, I hope like new, new leadership and like, you know, new ideas are going to come out that are um, just like coming from an uncomfortable place of realizing what's missing and who's been left behind and like saying, you know, if we do make this progress, like if we, let's say reinvest in different things, they need to be serving all of us, not just 1% of us or not just 30% of us. So that's, I'm sitting here yeah. nodding, amening you in my head, because yeah, I, basically, I would, I would. There's a beautiful line in there that I think it's about: be comfortable with your power, realize it, and then be uncomfortable with your power and grapple with those two sides of it to the place where it can be beautiful, exactly. right? Because that's been what this whole conversation is about: about being uncomfortable, being powerful, being empowered to then liberate ourselves and liberate others, which is kind of the the moment of clarity at the end here that I really want people to leave with. This isn't an attack on men. This isn't an attack on the dictionary. This is actually just saying something needs to be made right. Something needs to be brought up to date so that we can progress together. Yeah, like at last, I guess, also like really progress. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's interesting what you said about calling out progress that actually isn't progress for most of society, most of the world, you know, sort of the the advancements we make that other people can't even dream of taking part in, whether it's, you know, economic or scientific or vaccines that are never going to reach a lot of people in the developing world. Like, how is, is that progress? Yeah. Exactly. At least like from a human perspective, like, you know, it could be progress in your, in your bank statements, but from a human perspective, like that's not progress. So. Yeah. Connect to your humanity and be uncomfortable because it's a good place to be and good things come from that. Very often not good things happen to you personally from a place of being numb. So at least be awake, be uncomfortable, and then you can grapple with hard things because that, is the only way to live, I would say. Ah, this has been such a meaty chat and I will leave the link to your change.org petition in the show notes. Everybody who's listening, please head over there and sign it. Look out for headlines in Italian about Beatrice's amazing progress she's going to make in Italy. But good luck with that. I know it's a very different ballgame and you've got your work cut out for you, but I'm just so delighted to have had you and and feel like I have connected with a sister in oh, arms because you. <laughs> yeah, you're making things happen and it's it's such a privilege to have spoken to you to be able to use this as a platform to highlight something big that you're doing in the world and thank you so much for doing Thank you, you do. Betsy as well uh, because you're also doing extremely important work uh, awakening people and um yeah so thank you. Very grateful. And it was a pleasure. And also, I've also found a sister in arms. So <laughs> let's go get some shit done. <laughs> Thanks, Petri. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you to my team who helped me produce this podcast. To my brilliant editor, Dimitar Tvedkov. 
to Thomas Sheffer for the original music and to Luis Amaro for the original artwork. If you enjoy this podcast, you can help me reach new listeners by leaving me a five-star and written review on Apple Podcasts, following me on Spotify, or anywhere else you love to listen to podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram at TheBetsyReed. That's B-E-T-S-Y-R-E-E-D. If you're interested in bonus episodes and guided meditations I record regularly, head over to patreon.com and become a supporter. For the price of a coffee each month, you get access to a community. So there's really only one thing left to say. Thank you for spending time with me. Stay uncomfortable. <laughs>